Welcome to the Don't Get Lippy podcast. Um, today's talk, I am speaking with the beautiful Iva, who is a cleft-affected confidence coach. Um, she talks about her bullying experiences, the pivotal moment in her life that changed her mindset, and how her faith has been a constant throughout her journey. I hope you enjoy. Right, you are listening to my podcast chat with the beautiful Iva. Um, Iva, obviously I've introduced you to some extent, but tell me your age, your background, who are you? Tell me everything. Everything. Okay. So I'm Iva Lou. I'm actually in the U.S., born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm 31. Sounds so crazy to say that. I'm 31. <laughs> in September. I'm actually excited for this birthday, even though it looks like it's going to be a quarantine birthday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, so about me, as you probably already said, cleft palate survivor, motivational speaker, coach, trainer, have wonderful parents, um, Robert, who's deceased, my mother, great American woman, just the epitome of everything, Carolyn, and I have three brothers and two sisters. Okay, and where do you fall in the, in the line of siblings? I am the best. They kept trying and trying and trying until they got it right, and that would be the last one of me. Oh, there we go. Perfect. The perfect <laughs> angel at the very last. I like it. But you know what? It's hard because it's like, because of that, I'm always going to be the baby. Of course. I'm going to be the baby. And it's like, okay, you know, I can now not be the baby, but it is what it is. I'm the You'll baby. always be. Absolutely. So um, tell me then, cleft-wise, um, what were you born with? So I was born with a bilateral lip and cleft palate. Mm -hmm. And the way up to Peter's anomaly and for those that don't know what that means is I'm actually blind out of my left eye it was not developed in utero um, I can't see anything out of it the most that I can get every now and then is some shadowing mm -hmm. and that was frustrating as a child because I used to be like I can see I can see and it's like no you you might be able to see a little bit of light or shadowing but you can't actually see okay so is the eye actually in relation to the cleft or is that um, a sort of secondary or you know uh, it was as it was as a result of the cleft. Yeah. Okay. Okay. As they explained it, if I did not have the cleft, I would not have had the Peters and Melanie. Got you. Okay. Um. So, mum and dad, did they know that you were going to be born with a cleft? Did any of your siblings have clefts or any other kind of medical issues that made them think anything before you arrived? No. So they did get to find out that I was going to have a cleft in utero, mm -hmm. but at that time, no, no one in my family has any cleft we, we don't know where it came from um i forget i asked my dad one time like why why me and i asked him what my name means and he's like it's because you're special oh okay thank you for that <laughs> but i didn't know yeah. i need i need a solid answer not a dad answer <laughs> right it was totally a dad, a dad answer which i appreciate now but it was just like that that's not it man <laughs> Oh, and, and tell me then where, um, so mum and dad knew that you were going to be born with a cleft. Um, where along the line did you start having surgeries? Because I think you've had quite a few, haven't you? Yes. My first one was at six months. That okay. was what my next one was. And then I had another one within a year. I would say by the age of 10, mm -hmm. I had a majority of my surgeries, including um, a bone graft. So I still have that badge of honor on my hip. Of and course. <laughs> Yeah, it won't go away. <laughs> I've had like maybe three or four rhinoplasties. The last two were definitely more so because of cosmetic. And I've actually heard this happen with a lot of cleft patients. Like we have in our mind how we want it to be. And so I would go through the surgery thinking that it's gonna, I'm going to come out looking and it wouldn't, and I'd be disappointed. Okay. Uh, so. Um, 
because obviously you and I have spoken a little bit before and you've had 36 surgeries haven't you is that right yes 36 that's insane is that all um how much of that is eye related or is most of it sort of you know sort of jaw and lip and what have you yeah it was all jaw it was all lip (laughs) no none of it was for my eye because I remember so part of the way that my eye is built made however you want Mm -hmm. to say um my tear duct is actually smaller than the normal person's tear duct okay so what happens is when there's an overflow of course it has to come out mm-hmm. so it looked like I'm crying and we tried to get it fixed and there was just like that's something that is irreversible okay yeah so even now still like and I'll get it people be like oh are you crying and I'm like no just my tear duct getting full oh <laughs> I know I'm good I'm fine thank you I'm good I'm fine and it's always the worst because I'll be in like a job interview mm-hmm. or something like that and here comes a tear and I'm like they're gonna think that I'm crying you should use it to your advantage I'm just like oh <laughs> I cannot lie I have I have used it before. Hey! If you're going to ask inappropriately and it might help with a little brownie point, why not? Absolutely. Give me that job. (laughs) Um, So, surgery-wise, do you think you're done with surgeries or have you got any more or... Absolutely. I'm done. I was actually asked that question about a year and a half ago. And I'm done. I'm actually cool with me. And I now, I really do wear it as a badge of honor because, like, yeah, I have a club and I stand strongly in it. And... I don't know if it sounds cocky or conceited or however, but it's like, I look really good with it. So bloody right. Absolutely. Yeah, you're gonna deal with it. No, that's perfect. And and I think that's a really nice point to get to rather than consistently going back to surgeries, being disappointed with the result and, and still never quite getting to that point of contentment and thinking, Do you know what? This is me. Yeah. And uh, like you said, that last surgery, it kind of triggered for me that you know what, it may not be my favorite that needs fixing I, I realized that it was something within me because mm-hmm. I'm facing this unattainable thing and also I do believe that God was kind of like I made you this way for a reason stop trying to fix it absolutely and I love that and I love the fact that um you know as you've briefly mentioned in the intro you're actually a confidence coach aren't you 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 yes. help others learn how to be to be confident and and achieve what you've already done right and was that intentional because of your history or is that just coincidence? That's a hard question in that it was hard for me to come to terms of that, mm-hmm. like at my head around it. But once I was like, oh, this is a thing. Because I've all even growing up, I was always the one that my friends went to for advice or mm-hmm how do you do this or just being that person so I didn't know that I could charge for it and I so, hope you've um I hope you've backdated all your friends <laughs> I actually had a girlfriend recently who called me for advice and she was like she was like what is your fee and I was like, <laughs> She's like I need advice I need some confidence I know you touched by that the fact that she she appreciated my time and I did charge her yeah, heck, um, yeah. but that's so good I mean you know the fact that you do you feel like it was a calling do you feel like it was part of yes. you know getting to a point in your you know sort of surgery stage and kind of thinking actually this is who I am I'm going to help other people that's exactly what it was once I was like okay this is really it and realizing coming to terms of that and then realizing the power of that I finally saw the gift that my parents had always told me about I just didn't I couldn't see it and so I remember I kind of did like a pitch to other friends just to see what their thoughts were okay oh would you go to a confidence coach if this person had the time I was like if they had 20 years of experience of operating in confidence and they were like yeah absolutely and I was like well how would you feel if that person was me and one of my friends was like yes 
Oh, that's really nice to get that reassurance. Right. And then once I got the first client, it was kind of like, okay, yeah, this, this is the thing. This is, this is what you were made for. Have you dealt with any, have you had any people that are cleft affected come to you? Is that something you'd be interested in or? That is actually what I want. That is my dream patient because especially um, like on one of the things I'm involved in on Facebook, I'm a part of a cleft palate group and there are so many that I see that actually have less severe clefts than I do, Mm -hmm. but because of just, and I get it, life will make you feel this way and it's like, girl, you're gorgeous. Or even the guys, like you're handsome. So it's like, we just need to flip the switch inside of you. The mindset. And that's like my dream. Perfect. Well, there you go. Anybody that listening oh those details are obviously going to be on the uh, podcast yeah. details so um yeah you know and obviously if there's anything that i can do in that respect and send people your way so i think it's a fantastic um thing to be able to offer and empower people and especially yeah. you know as we've mentioned when i did your life there is that automatic connection that understanding mm-hmm. without having to say anything so mm-hmm. you know i think you're a, a fantastic role model for people because <laughs> even with dealing with like families i know um especially overseas more so in like the indian um or in african cultures it's still seen as a scar or that it may be you know your family like a curse or something and it's like yes. that's not it, it just it happened and being able to coach kids through that is very important and coaching families through that and understanding like this is the thing but we can overcome it absolutely and um, so kind of touching back on families then did your mum and dad ever give you the script did they ever tell you what had happened to you from when you were born and you know did you feel feel prepared when you then started to meet new people um you know when if they ever started to question you know why does your face look like that Dudley does was that ever anything that your mum and dad talked to you about yes anyone who's ever heard me speak or like my speaking engagement I always make sure to put in there that proudly that I am the proud daughter of Robert and Carolyn Ballou because of the fact that they were amazing advocates for me. My mother's main thing that she always would tell me is that you have a cleft palate, the cleft palate does not have you. Mm -hmm. And then my father, his thing was, you know, God had to give you something to slow you down. I understand it now as an adult and it's a beautiful thing. It's like, okay, I get it. Um, But they made sure that I was aware. In fact, my mother had a diary that she wrote in the entire time of her pregnancy. And so like, I have that. So she was always advocating for me always letting me know that it's it, it yes it is a, a major thing but it's not the only thing and one thing that I really appreciated that they did was they never allowed me to use my club as a crutch like if other kids were outside playing Ivory you're gonna go outside playing Absolutely. other when they like parents you know her friends will have um, kids will have friends that they interact with mm-hmm. my mother will quickly tell the parents she is not an invalid she has a because um, when I was a kid I guess you would call it, like no voice not being very vocal Okay. Because of the class. And my mother would be like, she has a mouth. She can speak. If she wants something, she needs to say something. And I really believe that that helped me feel empowered of my own self and bringing out that inner confidence. Absolutely. Oh, so your mom's definitely, she she sounds like the kind of mom that you need when oh, yes. you do have a condition like that. Um, yes. You know, and in relation to that, you know, I was never, I was always told off as much as my brother. I was always praised as much as my brother. I was inc- encouraged to do you know extracurricular activities and things exactly. it was never a reason to not try something or do something so um you know i definitely um encourage families to do exactly that as well exactly yeah and it's almost like 
I was pushed harder because she was like, I know that you can do it because I know what you've gone through. So yeah. you're strong. Yeah. And that's, that, that was also incredibly empowering to say that you can do it. You've just got to believe that you can. So, um, yeah, take my hat off to your mum. I hope that I can be the same for Will, that's for sure. You definitely will. I can already see it. You will. You will. I have no doubt in that one. Um, so touching back on um, surgeries, how was your healthcare um, just generally? Was everybody in the healthcare profession really good to you? Were there any kind of issues going out along? Again, I have to, got to give it up for Carolyn Ballou because a couple of the surgeries when I was younger, they didn't want to approve me for. Okay. I have to fight for them and say, no, this is not cosmetic because over here in the UK, maybe the first two, maybe three of the surgeries, mm-hmm. agreed, that was back in the 80s and early 90s. They didn't want to pay for them, and my mother would like have everything old school, floppy disk, and please, and she would show them like this is what's going on, this is what, and it didn't matter if she was on a phone with an insurance company for two, three hours, which I don't understand how she did because she was a manager of the post office, had two kids already, you know, with me and my brother, and she did all that. So yeah. So obviously they they weren't going to approve you for a couple of surgeries, but when you got round to having surgeries and and presumably orthodontics and things was everybody good to you were there any kind of situations that you kind of thought oh I don't you know I don't agree with that or I didn't like the way that they did that no now that's one thing again that I'm very very thankful I went through Nemours here so all of my doctors and physicians and like my orthodontist dentist Mm -hmm. speech pathologist they were all connected into that network and so because of that everybody was good I knew them they knew me I was Miss Iva I felt comfortable which was really comforting because it could it can be very scary especially as a kid you already have all this so yeah, yeah. they were top-notch 100 amazing that's really really good most of my doctors were specialists so they mm-hmm. were always people training under them mm-hmm. even they were respectable yeah um so I, I guess if i could just put that out there just making sure that if you are training or if you are a specialist that's a person attached to that club please be mindful of that yeah no i, I totally agree with you i absolutely agree with you and um, how was school uh school was okay I luckily had like three or four girlfriends that I was really connected with okay it wasn't for them oh I don't know but other than that bullying was the norm it was not always fun mm-hmm. um, and so like there are some times where I would just have to kind of bully my own self first talk about myself just so I could get back mm-hmm. and I, I never understood how you gonna make fun of something that I had no control over that was always my question like yeah. you know I, I have no control over this but yeah it was not it was not fun right well did you find more trouble with boys or girls honestly it was girls because outside of school I was myself and I was very confident with my friends and with my family and so that's a hard switch because like with your family they didn't see my club I just got to be myself so when I come to school and I'm still trying to be this confident person even though on deep inside I too know that I look different I Mm. I that I look different I don't fully love it either and here you are just bashing me and making fun of me and making me feel smaller and unwanted yeah that sucks the boys it was different because some of them actually would like me but they never wanted anyone to know that because they didn't want backlash yeah that was frustrating yeah never had any sort of um it never made you stop going to school or um change schools or anything never so much not going to school for a long period of time but I can't 
admit now that there is definitely some days where I might have faked not wanting to go to school just yeah. because I did not want to deal with I didn't want to deal with that nice. the one time that I did change school that was on me okay. but I can say when I did change that school for like a, until it kind of died down I, I did eat my lunch in the bathroom because just because of course I was a new kid and I had a club and they were relentless about that but what happened was a, one of my church members he didn't know that I had transferred and once he saw me he was like come on. like he kind of took me under his wing and once everybody saw that he was cool with me they kind of backed off because you know how it is okay he was like one of the cool kids and so the cool kids said leave her alone that was kind of my only reprieve for the most part as long as when he was around I was good you're okay but isn't that sad you know you, you have to be with somebody who's you know seemingly cool and everyone kind of goes oh yeah okay we'll, we'll right. play ball and then as soon as you're by yourself they're as back soon, to being related how you said that about like um school before that the main girl who used to bully me was actually good friends with one of my close friends and when I told her I told her years later because I didn't know how to tell her she mm-hmm. she was like do you mean to tell me this whole time that I was friends and I was like well I didn't know how to tell you that mm-hmm. you know you, you have so many things and but yeah so yes yeah. she next to me when my friend was present and then as soon as she was out of the way I remember one time I had left the classroom and came back in and she had like ripped up my, my test papers just anything to get under my skin kicking my desk saying little things talking about my eye or like yes my name is Iva you do pronounce it that way but like mm. she drew an eye and then put the just that underhand mm-hmm. unnecessary you know if someone point blank said you look different that's so much easier to deal with than the sort of snidey underhand it kind was of- always it was always covert it was always underhanded that and I think that's the thing that I always like to tell people about bullying a skill bully does it in such a way that only the two of them involved know and it makes the victim feel like they're crazy yeah you do, I agree like, with that. maybe I'm just seeing this maybe it's me and so um and it I, makes you paranoid doesn't it it makes you think yes. that you know am, am I going mad because I'm the only one that's seeing it or mm-hmm. reacting to it or you know feeling a certain way and and you're absolutely right they're the sort of people that really are out to get you in a very <laughs> underhand way it's um have you ever spoken to your bullies after school and you know into sort of adulthood have you ever come across them has anybody contacted you and said look I was I was terrible to you I'm sorry there have been some in fact I'll never forget one of them she was friends with the main girl yeah and we happened to connect as adults and she was just like I I apologize I never knew and we were able to have a real conversation but it was funny because like you said like how could you not know but as a kid she didn't realize and I was like you don't know what you guys put me through and she was more empathetic now because she had a child and I was like that's great that you now have a child so you can understand but I was like I wish she would have known that I then yeah absolutely uh, to be fair give her credit at least she apologized yeah. and and that but you shouldn't have to apologize in your adult years for how you were as a teenager it's not the way that I was brought up and if not if more so having a cleft makes you so much more empathetic and understanding that everybody is different and there's absolutely no reason to call people out on the most obvious thing about them Mm -hmm. and that's the funny thing is like I'm actually I I really want to see the main girl she's Mm. not any social media so I can't like reach out to her I would love to be able to have a conversation 
with her. I know that's probably and say what number one, the, the the biggest thing that I think is very shocking that even I want to say this is I forgive you because I've realized that if you are sitting up there making fun of me, it was either a because you I must have intimidated you in some way that you knew no other way to get at me, but then that or you must have been going something through something on your own self, and as a release of that, you came toward me. Those yeah. are the two options. Absolutely. So it's one of those, I actually forgive you because as an adult, I understand that it really had nothing to do with me. It was just, I seemed like an easy target. And, and that's exactly it. And I think those that are brought up in homes where, and I'm not even talking about two parent families or anything like that, but somebody that is made to feel secure and mm-hmm. not devalued in any particular way, there's no need for them to go after exactly. other people. As you say, you know, if you're brought up in a way that you feel that you're content and you know that everybody's different, there's no need. Like people just, you know, and I can know, see people at school now who you know they could very easily have said something they were part of the whole whole Mm -hmm. group and you know but they didn't and that's because they were secure in themselves and they didn't feel the need to to hunt me down Um, right because there was a couple of cool kids that I was cool with too because they were like you're cool one of them she was actually still friends to this day just like yeah it's there but she's like your mouth is funnier (laughs) (laughs) what you're saying is much better you know yeah yeah yes I meant to say that what what I'm saying it's funny or not (laughs) so obviously you mentioned that you um there was a guy who went to church do you feel like faith has had any impact on your journey and how you were brought up and things like that yes and i understand that you know for some people that's not their thing Mm -hmm. but me i can honestly say that is has been my saving grace has been my saving grace as i said number one my dad said that god had to give me something to slow me down and that was very shocking as a child to hear that i had to been like six or seven so and you can understand a child being like so wait a minute god is punishing me yeah that doesn't always work well but as an adult i realized what he was saying was that as big as my personality is with the class i might have been too big for myself okay and so having that relationship with god and being forced to be humble Mm -hmm. having to know that like anything that I do is because of him any blessings that I get because of him I just feel like my life has been more about manifestation and blessing than despair because of it amazing and you know and I think it's an important part of your life and which is why I want to bring it up and and talk about it because if that's giving you some comfort it may be that somebody else down the line chooses to go down that path as well and they and they find what you've had this whole time so um yeah I just wanted to sort of ask you about that um, no problem. Yes. So you went to? Did you do uh, university? Yes, I am a proud Howard University Bison. Is actually hey. that I applied to. Um, my mother was not happy about that. <laughs> oh really? So is that in a different state or yes, to where you it's are? Yes, Washington D.C. It's actually one of the most prestigious HBCUs. Um, okay. Just in universities, only school that I applied to. The best four years of my life. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, it was great. great. And at university, any issues? with people saying things or commenting or were you at an age then that people just accepted you for the way that you were um again there it was again a little bit more covert um, sometimes for the most part I was accepted but always the the double look the stare Mm -hmm. or the um and I'm not going to do the gesture on camera, but, you know, they'll kind of like look, you know, point to the mouth or point to the nose, mm-hmm. sort of things. And I would always catch them out of the side of, of my eye. And it's like, great. Right, I can see it. you. Yeah, I can see what you're yeah. doing. <laughs> yeah. 
got to deal with this today. The teachers and professors were fine. Um, mm -hmm. I did have one professor one time, like I think his first day, he, he definitely looked at me like, oh, this is interesting. And I'm like, I can see you really? in front of other people. Wow. Okay. <laughs> like, but was he all right after that? He was all right after that, but I, I had already had in my mind, like, okay, if this is, becomes a thing, I definitely will be reporting this to somebody. Luckily, we didn't have to go down that route, but it was just like... <laughs> really? Yeah, we're, we're at university. There's other you're things scholared. going on. Yeah, you're scholared, as they like to say. Okay. There's bigger things here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what did you study at university? Sorry, I missed that bit, if you said. Oh, no. So I said it was supposed to be for physical therapy. Okay. No. <laughs> so I actually <laughs> fell into health systems management. So like doing all things with healthcare, because I always knew that in some way, shape, or form, I wanted to be in healthcare so I can be an advocate back to other patients. Yeah. Like, I knew no matter what I did, wherever I was in life, I knew that I was going to be helping other people because I knew that my whole life that I had somebody that was helping me. Yeah, I love that. That's great. And um, ever done any traveling or anything? Yes. In fact, that is also part of the Kickstarter, Real Sophisticated Joy. Of, okay. So I went to Thailand, Cuba, Seoul, Korea. I know I'm forgetting someplace, but the main, the biggest one was in Thailand. So I used to have little tricks that I thought were tricks. Okay. Always wearing sunglasses, um, having a really long swoop to cover my nose. Yeah. Um, never really, you know, facing somebody full frontally because of the, the oblong shape of my nose. Yeah. Or like trying to turn your head or like maybe speaking like this. Mm -hmm. And the thing is over in those countries, that's actually considered rude. And okay. so person, whenever I go somewhere, before I go, I like to look up what can get me arrested. Of course. Like, that's very sensible. <laughs> yeah, I cannot get arrested overseas. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so I found out that like they certain things they find very rude and I was like oh gosh and so when I got there I had to face people full flip forward I had yep. to get in the eye you know couldn't have all of these things and so it was hard but it was actually really good because it was like okay I can do this did anybody ever react to you in a certain way so the funny thing is they did react to me but not because of my club over there um as the tour guide let us know we were actually the first black people that they had ever seen in person okay so you know, <laughs> one thing to another okay right so I was like if that is what they're looking at we can go fine absolutely here <laughs> it is here I am but yeah so it wasn't even like because I was I, I asked them that I did ask and they're like no that wasn't an issue that wasn't a problem okay, okay. And, and that's what um triggered the kind of thought process of actually you know I can do this try and make something of it right and so what I did was I used to it, like people will know I had sunglasses collection so mm -hmm. I went for like maybe a week mm -hmm. like leaving all my sunglasses at home okay as a challenge or pulling my hair back like I and so now I love it but back then doing that was oh a real challenge was a real challenge no hiding no nothing and then also just when people would ask oh were you born like that probably saying yes i was born with a cleft palate yeah where that i did that it just seemed it really seemed like it faded away that's so good isn't it it's almost like bringing it to the forefront yourself rather than someone pointing it out is so much easier to say mm -hmm. yeah this is this is me what do you want to talk about rather what than it and it's hiding now because I've had so many people tell me that it's like, Iva, when you walk in the room, your head is high, your back is straight, and you walk in so confidently. And it's like, ah, there was a time where that was not the case. But it is true. Like, I find myself walking around these, like, some days, and I'm just like, there's a time when I can remember I would have never walked like this. And I know that sounds crazy for anyone who, listens, who may not be club affected. Mm -hmm. 
understand that the power that it is to be able to know that you can want and not feel subconscious absolutely but i think also you and i will be able to um understand that you know there's more to us than our appearance whereas mm -hmm. those that rely on their appearance to um be at the forefront for themselves you know eventually that fades away eventually that becomes exactly. less important than actually the attitude and the individual so um you and i we can now say in our 30s we're the lucky ones we are exactly no it's like as i was saying about like i'm so happy that i do have a cleft palate because of that it has made me like now when people this is like men are like oh you're so pretty it's like yeah but i have a brain let's talk about that yeah absolutely. I, I realize that there's more to being that more to absolutely. that like are you a good person yeah and, and that's what it's about ultimately what advice would you give to and i'm not going to pay you for this advice either i'm going to tell you now <laughs> Um, there's a very general okay let's actually aim it for the for the parents okay. in relation to your own experience mm -hmm. what would you advise parents of children with cleft what would your advice be to them to help their child become the most confident it starts at home with you mm -hmm. your child steps out into the world every day and the world is built up to be cruel that's just mm -hmm. what it is and so when they are in the confine of your home you have got to pour on the empowerment make your child feel so empowered and I get that it's easy for you to you know once it's been labeled that they have a disability to maybe want to help but push yourself to push them yeah. that was something that my mother did and, and my father did very well that if they believed that I was capable of it they would let me do it and I can still hear I'm not always going to be here to do it for you either so how would you figure it out to do it if I wasn't here yeah and that made me number one be independent and so that way I can sustain myself but when I would accomplish it it made me feel confident because it's like I did that yeah and one thing that my mom says is like she's like you should be so proud of yourself and it's like i am proud of myself and telling that to a kid having a kid say i am i'm proud of myself that's how you can make them feel empowered and that little thing can be a really big switch to them amazing and what would your advice be um for those in those difficult teenage phases that you and i have both been through what, what would your main tip for them to be own it yeah. own it really owning it because when you own it it kind of it, not kind of it takes away the power from somebody else and being that i am a, a bully make a bullying awareness and mm -hmm. that i'll tell you now if a bully can tell that oh he or she is cool with himself they don't really approach you they may try one time but as long as you give a nice firm pushback with your of course not physically people no. <laughs> we're not advocating uh, violence <laughs> no we're not saying <laughs> but if you let them know hey i'm secure with me you can yeah. move to the next they will Love but you can do that by owning it if you don't own it when they say it it's going to be an easy trigger and most of the time once somebody knows what your trigger is i'm going to always hit that same button absolutely I, that was another thing that was like i'm not going to let somebody keep getting me the same way you're not going to get my goat the same way off the same trick nah so empowerment and owning it is is what you would say and I, and I oh, yes. love that so just to round up then um tell people your instagram handle and where they can find you okay so instagram handle is real sophisticated joy all one word i know that sounds like a mouthful but that's what i want people to feel within themselves is the same thing real sophisticated joy and then twitter is rsj speaks mm -hmm. and my website is also www.realsophisticatedjoy.com perfect and like i said i'll obviously be plastering your details all over this podcast and, and promoting you. you because i think you're a beautiful woman and just one of those sort of souls that 
safe. I'm waiting for COVID to be over so I can come. I'm telling you, I'm coming to lunch and we are having some fish and chips and you're going to show me around. Like, yep. <laughs> fish and chips, tea in a cup and saucer. Because I've, I've never been, I've never been to London. So it's like, it, okay, well, be done. Absolutely. Um, Iva, thank you so much. Um, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. And there we go. There's another chat in the bag. Um, that was such a pleasure to speak with Iva the other day. Um, please make sure you go follow her on her social media see what she gets up to show her some love um, and of course as usual any feedback on these chats is most welcome anything you'd particularly like to hear and I will get it organised any likes subscribes and shares for the podcast is most appreciated and let's continue to raise awareness for the cleft condition